0: Welcome to Tribe's Podcast. Hey, we just want to say thank you for making this message a part of your week. Our prayer is that these messages will inspire you to make the name of Jesus famous in your life and to the uttermost bounds of the earth. If you're ever in Jackson Hole, we'd love for you to visit our Tribe fam in person. To learn more about us, you can find us online or at Facebook by searching TribeJH.com. How about uh, a title? I have a a good sermon title uh, today. I know that for those of you taking notes here at the TMC, watching the live stream, it's always good to have a good title for your notes that you're taking. Today's title of the conversation that we're going to have is, we're in week four of Introduction to Prophetic Ministry. And the title of this morning's message is Genesis chapter seven, ready for either or both. Ready for either or both. And just before we get into the, the message, just a couple of things really quickly. If you, uh, you heard Lissa say that yesterday uh, there was a celebration of life for Rad, uh, a young man who lost his life in Apocalypse Kular up in the park. On Super Bowl Sunday and if you ever hear uh, I want to deputize you if you ever hear of anybody bemoaning or complaining about a lack of unity in the churches here in the valley what what should what should they do don't put up with it Don't, don't, don't listen to, don't give ear to that uh, at all, because yesterday I saw uh, a small example of the beauty of the Big C Church coming together for RAD. I'm I'm not sure how many of you were able to go or even knew about it, but the celebration of life was at the Presbyterian Church of Jackson Hole, Um, the of our friends at either corner gateway, they would have jumped in w- with both feet. And so uh, let's let's all, I, I wanna deputize all of you that th- to to be a, a marshal, if you will, to not allow, you came from a church culture where it was not talked about, it was not discussed. And if, if you even heard the word profit from the stage, It was probably in reference to a character from the Old Testament, and it might be used uh, as part of a a script. That might be a word that's used in part of a scripture or something else that the pastor is referencing or going to. And so one end of the spectrum is you have really no familiarity with it. And the other end of the spectrum that probably uh, you fall into one of these two categories is that you grew up in a church culture where it was normal, it was talked about, it was discussed. You saw it operating in health and in wisdom and, and, and in all likelihood every now and then you probably saw, you know, the wheels start to rattle a little bit. But then if you're at a good, healthy church, the pastor or whoever is leading the meeting of the service just brings it right back on track. And so I, I found that as we have these conversations— that people generally, it's almost like a reverse bell curve. Most people are at one end or the other, very few are in the middle, and as we spend this time talking about prophetic ministry, my goal is to present a healthy, balanced, biblical perspective on Old Testament and New Testament prophecy those that that there's a little bit difference of expression i think a lot of people get hung up in only an old testament accepted method or office or role of prophet and they that, that that's a little a little spooky and what i want to do is try to bring the gift of prophecy through the cross into the new covenant show you how it works How it looks, the great and tremendous need for it. Remember what Amos chapter 3, verse 7 says God never does anything without first revealing his plans to his servants. The but we're going to read through all of Genesis chapter 7 today. But by review, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3 but one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. From that passage, we pulled out four valuable principles, pulled out four valuable principles. Uh, These should be horse. There's a a section in there about different big game wildlife identification. Uh, For for example, uh, the difference Uh, The difference between uh, a male and a female antelope because they they can look sort of similar. Difference between a black bear and a grizzly bear to help you identify the difference between these animals. When you encounter prophetic ministry, look for these things to help you identify an authentic prophetic ministry. And they're all up here all at once. The idea of exhortation, to stir a person up. Edification to build up a person. Comfort, and we always talk about this. I got to always pause there. Comfort, not in terms of rub your belly, get you some warm milk, make the bad thing go away, but comfort as in imparting strength so that you can stand up under it. Mm -hmm. That's what the church in Ukraine needs. They need comfort right now during this difficult season. The largest country of the European, uh, of the continent of Europe, the largest country, think about that for a second, has been invaded by another country. They need comfort. And then this idea of convict, which brings correction. And when correction is brought from a godly perspective, it brings life. Correction brings life. So many people get a poopy diaper when they're corrected because, in their brokenness, they equate correction with rejection. Correction from the Lord is never rejection. And we talked about the difference between this idea of, of conviction and correction and, and being, uh, having discernment. Discernment will tell you that's a valley full of dry bones. And it's really easy for that gift of discernment to operate in the flesh as just being critical. Like, good job, you pointed out the valley of dry bones. Way to go it's the prophetic that has the ability to speak life into that situation and have those dry bones rattle and come together and then speak and, and prophesy life over a situation that that can look like correction are you are you guys with me yes. okay so this is these are identifying characteristics of prophetic ministry how many of you here last week either listened to the podcast, and/or saw the Shambles video that that uh, that I showed, right? Okay, so in that in that we he was speaking at a large stadium event, and he had a word of knowledge uh, over this guy from uh, wherever he was from. Maybe yeah, his family was from the Ukraine. Holy cow! Yeah, and then here in the West Coast and East Coast. And so he had a word of knowledge for him, several words of knowledge, so that, so that out of those thousands of people, God's like, I want to deal with this guy right here. And then a word of wisdom for me began to prophesy over him. And it, I mean, it, the, the, the whole thing reeked of all of these things, didn't it? So that's one, one expression of, of prophetic ministry. Prophetic ministry can also take the form uh, coming to people through uh, visions. Like you've heard us talk at Tribe about like, man, I just really see a picture of na-na-na-na-na. That's a lot more palatable than I had a vision. Although there is biblical precedent. Look at how the entire book of Revelation was downloaded to John the Apostle, and modern day um, examples, um, there's a book, I don't think it's on our bookshelf, called Final Quest by Rick Joyner, and he had this, uh, he was, he was alert, he wasn't sleeping, a picture, a vision that God was speaking to him from. Dreams are super common. That's a great way that God can speak to his people, and he, you have, you have the dream and it might just be for you, but that dream could be for the, the small C church, this small C church, or it could be for the big C church, but you got to exercise that muscle of discernment knowing, like, was, this, was it pizza, was it me, was it the enemy, was it the Lord? So he speaks to us in, in dreams through prophetic words, where, and we saw that with Sean Bowles, words of wisdom, words of knowledge. And as a quick side story, they they had the service at PCGH, and then they had a large tent set up. And after the service, uh, everybody piled out of the church, walked about 20 steps into the big white tent to drink beer and listen to music. And it was like a it was like typical Jackson Hole. It was great. <laughs> I love this town. I love these people. And uh, people were sitting around and, and talking and sharing stories and drinking lots of beer. And uh, when listen, and I finally got done, we did some tear down and help Fresh Life with that. We walked over to the tent and we were sitting with the uh, kind of like a, the Fresh Life crew of people. And there was a, a woman sitting there. And I just felt like the Lord wanted to, to share something with her and I was like okay so we're talking and hanging out I'm like okay Lord what do you have for her what do you have for her what I know that there's something stirring within me that you want me to share with her from you but what is it and we're just talking and I'm silently like trying to concentrate and listen and then she says that she's in massage therapy school and then it just goes and it just dropped into my heart In the same, and I just, and I said, hey, would it be all right if I shared something with you? I feel like the Lord put this on my heart to share with you. And she's like, yeah, and she leaned in. And I said, in the same way that you have experienced healing in your soul from all that you have been through, that's going to, that healing, uh, that healing that Jesus has brought your soul It's going to be transmitted through your hands as you work on other people when you step into uh, your job after this schooling. And then the tears came. And then we, Lisa and I, prayed over her. And I don't know if you had anything else to to share about that moment because it was kind of loud and you had to lean close. It was
1: a school because she was like, Pray over my hands.
0: Yes, pray over my hands. yes release that yeah as she works with other people and so that's what i'm talking about when we about a practical demonstration of prophetic ministry outside of these walls when you're in line at the grocery store when you're talking to your friends on the gandhi when you're interacting w- with co-workers being having that attitude of willingness to just be open to hear the voice of the Lord to be used by him in remember uh, last week Noah walked close with God he wasn't trying to walk close with God for the sake of like I want to save the world someday he had no idea his name actually means rest oh I think I'm going to get to take it easy in my life he spends a hundred years building a boat with that in mind Let's go to Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to take turns reading Genesis chapter 6. I know that you're familiar with this by now, but there is a a QR code right here in the corner of the screen. If you have questions that, as we have this discussion today, something comes in your mind, uh, please, you can scan that, like take a picture of it. We've all done that for, uh, for menus these last two years. You can take a picture of it and it will take you to a Google form where you can uh, submit a question. You can include your uh, contact information if you'd like, or it can be uh, anonymous, whatever you would like. With that in mind, oh, and and one other thing, I know that I've been talking a lot. I want you to be able, I want you to have, I want you to feel like you have the permission to stop me. Hey, B. I- explain this again. Or if you have a connection, oh my gosh, I'm thinking of this. And questions, connections, comments, any of that. We're all in this together, okay? And with that, Gretchen shall bless thee with the mic <laughs> of who may start reading from Genesis chapter 7. Yeah. Oh, Clay's got it. Then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens, also male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of all the earth. For in the seventh day, or for in seven days, I will send rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and every living thing that I have made, I will blot out from the face of the earth. Quick, quick pause. So, interesting tidbit. It had not rained until the flood. For how many of, it's okay, you can answer honestly. For how many of you, that is a new bit of information. Before the flood, it had not rained. That's crazy, huh? (laughs) Now we don't get that. that? Okay, good question. Okay, good question. Okay, so in Genesis 3, they go out in four directions.
1: Yep. Okay. Wasn't there a bubble too around here? So,
0: so, Per, you, don't get me started, Chris. You just, you just loved me this. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. So the, the Hebrew word is firmament. And think of, we have a permeable atmosphere right now, but think of a less permeable atmosphere. And that's what you're talking about. And I'll just stop right there. Uh, you want to pass it on or keep going? All right.
2: And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came to the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to
3: escape the waters of the flood.
0: Quick, sorry, quick pause. So like 600 years old i mean come on come on is it like i mean that that's a dead giveaway that this is meant to be read as a fable right nobody lives to be 600 years old remember you got to you need to look at the text with the right pair of glasses on when you right so so you don't want to look at genesis because Genesis is historical narrative. This is this is this is reporting of what happened, actual things that happened. Well, so well if it actually happened, how can people live to be six hundred years old or Methuselah who lived to be nine hundred and something? All these long, well, we go back to the firmament and there's there's incredible, magnificent scientific explanations. Hypotheses for all of this that are just, (sighs) okay, so, so, okay, so, so with the firmament, with the firmament, um, uh, the atmospheric pressure was increased. When you increase the atmospheric pressure, like you can do these studies today. You can, when you increase the atmospheric pressure, it forces the, at a cellular level, uh, whatever, what somebody can help me, um, the respiration between cell membranes, um, good stuff in bad stuff out. So the idea is when you increase the atmospheric pressure, it affects things down to the smallest cellular level, forcing more oxygen into the cell. Oxygen is a, a really good thing. Whenever you have, um, a, a burn victim, uh, if they have that type of um, uh, equipment at a hospital, if you put a burn victim into a hyperbaric chamber their their body heals itself much quicker. that's one benefit of this firmament. think of like the earth with a hard candy shell. It also filtered out harmful UV radiation this this firmament and we all know that UV harmful UV radiation and the bombardment of these things from outer space are what degrade our genetic code and, and are a huge contributing factor to aging. And we're only about, what, uh, seven or eight generations away from Adam. Adam was created beautifully, perfectly. God saw Adam and Eve and said, man, that's good. They're, they had no corruption in their DNA sequencing. And so it's quite plausible to live to be 600 years old. Thank you. Huh? Or 900. <laughs> or 900. Oh, and, and we start, for those people who have invited Jesus into their heart, made him the leader of their life, like we start living for eternity the moment we invite Jesus into our heart. Like that cross-movement song says there's a refrain that's like a little bit of a taunt to the enemy and the world that's lost, saying, we gonna live forever. <laughs> Somebody, quick, start reading before I <laughs> sing more.
1: Question. I thought
0: you said seven or eight generations. I think it's actually 70 or 80 generations.
4: Did you mean from Noah? Adam
0: and Eve to Noah? Adam and Eve to Noah. Is it more than that?
3: More, more,
0: yeah. 70 or 80 have from Jesus. Yeah. 2,000 oh. years. 2,000 years. So sorry, the, the wise, uh, See, okay. Still semi-functional. Mm-hmm. See, I love, I love the numbers.
1: Seven or eight generations from Adam and Eve to
0: Noah? I mean, that's what I said.
1: Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Bob thought you meant from
0: us. We, because you said we. Oh, sorry from Adam to Noah yeah. not that many generations okay. I'd like to redact my statement <laughs> for the record years or two, right? Is he exactly yes yes okay. long span of long span of time relatively a much shorter relative amount of generations passed so Yeah oh. Yeah so Noah knew Methuselah, he was alive at the same time. And Methuselah was so old that he was alive. He was, uh, uh, Adam lived so long that Adam was still alive. So Adam, Methuselah, Noah. These aren't generations, but they all like had like a little, uh, Noah did not live at the same time as Adam. But Noah lived so long that he met Methuselah Methuselah lived so long that Noah lived at the same time as Methuselah. We we are unaware textually of any kind of like you know uh, interaction. Methuselah. Noah. There you go. So it's
1: not that I've heard of any
0: man Methuselah? Yeah, so 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 if, as as family, then those two perhaps did know each other. Yeah. also have a Go. So, could, it be also that
1: there's also could it be also that there's a different um, frame of time? Like when you think of like dog years. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just curious if their the way they uh, conceptualized time was different. So there was a lot more years in what our year is. And so it's just different textually when we read that, whereas like back then it could have been thought of differently, like what their years are, and so that's, it just, it's very hard for me to believe, and that it is, it's crazy, like 600 or 900 years, I don't know, even with the whole bubble thing. <laughs> <laughs> bubble. <laughs> but can I just interject, if you think about it, we were never meant to die. Initially, in the garden, we were never ever meant to die. S- death is a wage of sin. So, so the way that I've heard it explained and what's come, the way that I've been able to embrace people living that long is understanding that initially in the garden, we were going to live forever. And as sin entered the world and as people embrace sin, our life has gotten shorter because of the wage of sin is death. Does that make sense? I mean, I'm not saying you should accept it. I'm just saying that, that helped me to embrace it. And,
0: and one other thing... When when we look at the story of creation on the first day this happened, on the second day this happened, uh, uh, there are, there is room for the interpretation of that word, he, that Hebrew word day. There is room for it to be either a literal solar 24 hours or an epoch of time. And so... Uh, if day is perhaps not what we think of as day, then what about year, so forth and so on? So so that's where some scholars um, uh, exploit that latitude to be able to, to make the text fit into something that's a little easier for them to understand. Well, 600 years, uh, it, it, it can't be the same as 600 solar years for us. I mean, what i would suggest to you is to go back and redo re, a word search i'm not telling you to do this but but you can go back and do a word search for every time the hebrew word for day is used you will find that it has uh, two or three time periods uh to that meaning a day could be a solar day or it could be an epoch of time an epoch of time But in the story of creation is where we see that word used most. And of all the places in the Old Testament that we see that Hebrew word used, it is the vast majority of the use of that word is to describe a literal solar day. Who wants to keep reading? Where are we? we got to get to the good stuff.
1: Are we in verse 8? Yeah. Okay, just making sure. Way to go. Pairs of clean and unclean animals, of birds and of all creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark as God had commanded Noah. And after the seven days, the floodwaters came on the earth. Hmm.
3: Verse
0: 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the
3: seventeenth day of the month, on the day all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heaven were opened, and the rain fell upon the earth forty
0: days and forty nights. On the very same day Noah and his sons, Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons
3: with them, entered the ark. They and every beast according to its kind, and all the livestock according to their kinds, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all the flesh in which there was the breath of life. Verse 16.
0: Uh, Quick question. Jay, does yours say at the end of verse 16, a male and female of each kind entered just as God had commanded Noah Then I have either a period or a parenthesis, or excuse me, a period or a comma, and it says, then the Lord closed the door behind them. Yeah, period, and the Lord shut him in. Yeah. Okay, cool.
3: For 40 days, the floodwaters grew deeper, covering the ground and lifting the boat high above the earth. As the waters rose higher and higher above the ground, the boat floated safely on the surface. Finally, the water covered even the highest mountains of the earth rising more than 22 feet above the highest peaks. All quick the living quick things pause,
0: quick pause. So again, a question is, well, how was the water higher than Mount Everest at 29,000 feet above sea level? So the idea is that before the flood, we didn't have the same type of topography on planet Earth that we do now because the Bible says in lots of places how God raised up as the, as the earth literally tore apart, the continental cr- crust is cracking. And we understand the movement that, that tectonic plates move and continental drift happens. And with the cataclysmic event of the flood ca- breaking up the earth, things are diving under one another Things are colliding into one another, causing the great uplift and upheaval that we see today. And so what intelligent design, that's the new way of saying creationists, intelligent design scientists theorize that we didn't have the same high mountains that we have today, Mm -hmm. which then allows for plenty of room for the earth to be covered. At a height of twenty-two feet above the highest point.
3: Verse twenty-one says, "All the living things on the earth died: birds, domestic animals, wild animals, small animals that scurry along the ground, sorry, and all the people." Qu- one more
0: quick pause. Sorry, <laughs> it's important, though. It's important. It's important because because remember, people when it comes when it comes to the flood story, people fall into one of three categories. Uh, It's completely fictional, it's a fairy tale, but we can still learn some good things from it. Um, uh, The flood did happen, but it was localized. Um, The flood did happen and it was global. A localized flood is is reasonable to believe, is easier for our finite minds to comprehend. A localized flood, even if it were massive, is a lot easier for our finite minds to believe. But I would invite you to go back and do a word search of the text, Genesis 6 and Genesis 7. Look for every single instance God uses of totality. Okay, Uh, take another run at what caused me to
3: pause you. It is an interesting argument, though. Localized versus global. It is. <laughs> there's, there's information for both. Okay. Verse 21 says, all the living things on the earth died. Birds, domestic animals, wild animals, small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the people. Verse 22, everything that breathed and lived on dry land died. God wiped out every living thing on earth. People I mean, just
0: look at those few verses alone. How can you make a cogent case for a localized flood?
3: Okay, anyways. God wiped out every living thing on earth. People, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground and the birds of the sky. All were destroyed. The the only people who survived were Noah and those with him on the boat. And the floodwaters covered the earth for 150 days.
0: I apologize for taking so many pauses in the midst of that. If you were able to piece together the entire chapter of verse 7 without all of my interruptions, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts or uh, impressions of... The drama that's unfolding in Chapter Seven: What stood out to you in Chapter seven? And again, I'm not looking for like deep spiritual meaning, but as you read chapter seven, as we just read chapter seven, like what stands out to you? What causes you to wonder? Uh, well here comes the mic. Thank you.:
4: <clears throat> What stands out to me is that um, everybody was on the ark, and then they were there for seven days, waiting for something to happen. And I can't imagine the kind of faith it would take to sit there with all of the animals, all the creatures, all your family for seven days, waiting for the first raindrop. So yes, I I just think that's um, an amazing faith.
0: What sort of emotions? Let me. You can keep the mic. What sort of emotion? Let's. I love to use. I want us to engage the muscle group of our imagination as we read God's word, because I believe it can help us. We don't want to use our imagination to establish theology or doctrine, but to help us enter into Noah's shoes and and fill in some of the humanity that is missing from the text, what would you be thinking?
4: I'd be thinking I spent 100 years (laughs) (laughs) making this ark And I've spent a lot of time gathering up all of the resources and all of the creatures. And uh, there's got to be a lot of drama uh, just getting ready and prepared. Yeah. And then it would be a little anticlimactic to sit there for seven days wondering, did I I get this right? Or did I, 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 yeah. I think doubting would be an easy place to go.
0: Doubting, Mm. yeah.
4: After a hundred years, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah what, if, what, I mean, what if he like got on the boat and he's like, well, it's out of my hands, I'm going to take a big old nap. <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. It's, it's remarkable.
2: It's remarkable. A segue here is the whole doubting thing. And if you think about our faith, which is based on this, there's like two or three main stories, Adam and Eve, the flood, and the crucifixion. And, you know, we're supposed to have childlike faith. And as a, children, as a child, you read it and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, the flood. Okay, yeah, Adam and Eve. But then as we get older, there's all these voices that sound really smart and they're ready to pick away at every single last detail. 600 years, psh, no way. Adam and Eve, oh, that's just figurative. Like, hmm. they chip away and chip away and chip away. And eventually, you can't even, you might as well throw the baby out with the bathwater. Forget it. You can't believe any of this stuff. How can you believe that God's going to come through for you? How can you believe this? How can you believe that? It's like Satan 101, you Mm. know? Mm. Like, okay, this says 600 years. Okay. I can't wrap my brain around it, or my intellect, but okay. I mean, because all the rest of the story is detailed. It's like, on the 17th day of the fifth month, right. it, you know? Like, why would they just make up some generalized, let's just throw that in there, it's probably, mm, 600 is probably more like two, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, that's childlike faith, you know? So that's what struck me is, we've read this story a million times, but once we start doubting everything we're reading, you might as well forget about it. You're not gonna have much faith left. Well,
0: yeah
4: testament it's consistent with God's character mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um, his justice and his mercy his love and compassion mm-hmm. in the world had become so sinful it was only Noah in his family that even repented all those years so it was it was time God needed to um, extend some justice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's consistent with his character throughout throughout the Bible
1: it
0: is and if you have if you have a a mind that is like really i gotta where where should you dig you should dig into his word and what are you doing you're getting into his word and if you have yeah uh, other just general thoughts or impressions of Genesis chapter. Seven. Oh yeah, we oh, never did Hold get on. to Bob. The person
3: with the mic has something to say. Oh, oh,
0: and <laughs> then before to you go Bob. passing it off. Okay.
3: <laughs> um, I was just thinking because I was in New York for Hurricane Sandy and like watching the waters come up, like to my door and higher, and how much fear that was, and people like my friends who were literally swimming down the street trying to get to safety. Like even, like how much faith it would take even to be in this arc that I made myself to be like, is this going to work? (laughs) Because the waters were so much higher than anything that I saw, so yeah.
0: I love that. I had a question, what's the argument for a local flood having just read this, which, seems to preclude that interpretation uh, is, is there a difference in translation or something there that is that's a wonderful that's a wonderful uh, question and one of my friends loves to send me articles and we have yet to have um, uh, a really good healthy conversation only because just time hasn't permitted or uh, allowed but there is there's quite a tenable, I wouldn't say argument because I don't want to be uh, adversarial, but there's quite a tenable position for a localized flood, if you're not, uh, based on, um, based on, um, like con- based on uh, grammatical textual evidence of what would be described as hyperbole. Uh, Solomon was, uh, all of the kingdoms of the world admired Solomon's wisdom. Uh, did all of the kingdoms of the world know about Solomon? Um, n- n- no. It is quite reasonable to conclude that there were civilizations that didn't even know who Solomon was. But in that case, that would be an example of hyperbole. But what? Uh, but there is a a preponderance of textual grammatical evidence here, as he says, just in those few verses alone of chapter seven. But, but, but. I don't want to set up a straw man argument of a weak local flood argument and then hack it apart, because th- there there is substantial substantial argu- position for a localized flood that uh, I would encourage you if you're yes, if you took that as uh, hyperbole. So, investigate it. I
1: don't need to. <laughs> are, we, are we still making comments on the text? Yes. Um, yes. I was just going to say, my favorite verse in that whole thing is just where it says, um, and, the Lord, and Noah did all the Lord commanded, in verse 5. <laughs> and there's another <laughs> part of scripture that, talks about, you know, if you prophesy, prophesy in proportion to your faith. And I think that's what we get, that's what I get from this is like, if we wanna hear God, there's, there's gonna be an exercise of our faith when he asks us to do things. It's not gonna make sense to the world, it's not always gonna be logical, but Noah's a really good example to just do as we feel Lord, the Lord commanding us.
0: And let's, let's connect some dots to the story of Noah and the flood with prophetic ministry. Have any of you, you don't need to raise your hand, but have any of you ever felt prompted or nudged by that still small voice? Maybe it was um, uh, walk across the pump island and pay for that person's gas. Um, Maybe it would be, hey, tell the lady checking out your groceries that her hair looks nice today maybe it was like when I was sitting next to this woman and I was like oh what is it something stirring we take that step out and it feels like seven whole days while we're shut up we've done all to the best of our abilities what we feel like the Lord has called us to do there's that difference in time for Noah it was seven days before that first raindrop fell for us it might be like Hey, would it be all right if I shared something with you? And they go, Yeah, sure. And you feel you share uh, what you feel like the Lord put on your heart to say. And then there's that moment. And then you might say, Does that does that mean anything to you, or does that resonate with you uh, at all? And then there's that moment of time where there's the potential. Maybe nothing's gonna happen. Maybe they're gonna be like, No, no, that 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 was so. No, that doesn't mean anything to me. Ah. <gasps> like the rain never falls. But I have found that more times than not, God, when you take that step out of obedience, a hundred years to build a boat, seven days trapped like waiting for that fulfillment, waiting for that, and all of the emotions and anxieties and different things that you go through, and then the first raindrop falls when they say, how did you know? And you're like, yes, God, you're so good. Like in the Sean Bowles video where he's like, is there a dare, and he goes, oh, thank you, God. <laughs> let's, let's, um, let's look at a, a couple of things from uh, chapter 7 here that I, wanna, that I want to point out to you. Um, verse 2 says this. Take with you seven pairs, male, female, of each animal I have approved. For eating for sacrifice, take one pair of each of the others. Prophetic ministry and really all of the Christian life can be, can be thought of in this verse right here. These animals were ready to serve man as food, so in serving others. And they were ready to serve God as a pleasing aroma, as a sacrifice, a laying down of their lives. Which is where the title of this morning's message comes from. There is a really old uh, logo of Baptist Missionary Organization. And I want to put that picture up on the screen here. And it's such a really cool motto Because in this picture, you see an ox. One side of the ox is a plow, ready to serve. The other side of the ox is the altar, ready to die. I'm ready for either or for both. Mm. That's prophetic ministry, and that's the call of the Christian life. Ready for either or for both. To lay my life down on the altar and be a sacrifice for him, or to serve and to work and to serve and to pour my... Either way, you lose your life. (laughs) Spoiler alert. I, I think this is a good place to start to land the plane. Um... We looked at verse four and verse ten, where, uh, and Janet, you pointed that out. Like he was, they, their family was on the boat for seven days before that first raindrop ever fell. There is there is an element of a gap between our obedience mm-hmm. and the fruit of our obedience that if you have a hunger and a desire to walk in prophetic ministry, you need to be comfortable with that gap in, in up to and including not seeing it at all on this side of eternity. Mm-hmm. Remember that game where you have like, you know, youth group game where you have uh, two lines of people all facing each other and they're holding hands and you're like, squeeze one hand and when you feel a squeeze and you squeeze the other hand and and the, you know, the impulse goes down. Sometimes it takes God a long time to act quickly. Bill Johnson said that. Not me. But we step out in obedience and then there can be this gap in delay And I wanna say, I feel like the Lord would just put it on my heart right now, that some of you are waiting for, you've, you've been obedient, you got this squeeze, you've passed it on, you've given the squeeze, but you're waiting. You're in this seven day waiting right now. Maybe it's for a family member, maybe it's for your finances, maybe it's for whatever it's for. You've been obedient but you find yourself in that seven-day gap. Hold on, hang in there. That first raindrop's coming. That first raindrop's coming. Practical takeaways from today about prophetic ministry. Practical takeaways. Number one, be ready for either or for both. There's nothing amazing about that ox. He's just just ready for either or for both. Lord, what do you have for me? Laying my life down. I'm not a big tattoo guy, but if you were ever to, like, get some ink, it could be good. Ready for either or for both. What does that mean? Let me tell you, brother. (laughs) Number two.
1: That's after service. The tattooing.
0: Back here. (laughs) Number two. Patience in the process is paramount. Pastoral alliteration. Patience in the process is paramount. That seed you planted in the ground, I know that the temptation is to Mm -hmm. dig it up and see what's happening leave it in the ground that's me keep watering it I gave it an hour
1: then I wonder why my plants don't ever come up it peaks too many times
0: patience in the process is paramount and then finally here's the next takeaway trust the Holy Spirit always to do the heavy lifting Remember verse 16, and then the Lord closed the door behind them?
1: Yeah. What did that look like?
0: Good job. I know. I love to use our holy, sanctified imagination.
1: Janet, you said, what were they doing, you know, in that seven days? Like, I don't think Noah could get out. Right? I mean, just like, yeah, that was it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so... The Bible says, and, and Jay read that portion, and then the Lord shut them in. I don't know how big of a door you need to get a giraffe and an elephant on there, but I would imagine it's sizable. And if that door is part of the hull to keep the ark safely afloat for almost a year on the water, that's next week, How big and heavy was that door? So Noah was faithful to do his part. A girl sitting next to you in school and the Holy Spirit just whispers to your heart. And and he says, would you tell my daughter who's sitting next to you that it's all gonna be all whatever she's going through, it's all gonna be alright. And and I'm with her even, even as she's cried out to me at night. And you're like, oh my gosh. All you have to do is to just be obedient, get on the ark. The Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting of, of closing the door of that ark, opening up her heart, right? The Holy Spirit always does the heavy lifting. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would awaken and breathe your life into that portion of our lives that that you want to stir with prophetic ministry. God, I ask that you would that you would arouse our appetites to be used by you in ways that are not usual and normal, but completely God ways.
4: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, how is buying somebody a tank again? That, it could be miraculous. We don't know. Remember, all we have to do is be obedient and then let the Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting. So I pray that for for anybody watching the live stream or anybody in this room under the sound of my voice that is like, oh man, that just stirs something in me. I ask that they would receive an impartation from your Holy Spirit to just stir, blow, blow on that curiosity, blow on that enthusiasm, Holy Spirit. I command a blessing over each and every member of our tribe fam that's watching the live stream and here today. Lord, protect their health, protect their finances. Let them know that you have gone into their future and prepared good things for them. We pray these things in Jesus name, the strong son of God. And everybody said, amen. I love you guys so very much. Uh, Get some more little knickknacks back there. Thanks for joining us today. Have a great week. And remember, you got this.